Why don't we go ahead and take a seat? Sometimes you just got to talk it out, and the Lord, <laughs> Lord minister, see why you talk it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Man, I tell you what, isn't it awesome when you can, when you can win fights with just taking a hold of it? You don't actually have to get punched in your nose. When I was a police officer and a field training officer, we always were trying to, to make our interviews better with uh, people that wanted to be police officers. And, and some of the things that we always thought of as, as questions we should ask new, new wannabe officers was first, just go be a fireman. Everyone loves you. Um, but, but one of the things we, one of the things, they wave at officers and they wave it off, uh, they wave at firemen, but they wave at officers with not all the fingers. And so go be, a, go be a fireman. But one of the things we always wanted to ask them was um, either straight up just punch them in the nose and see what they can do, or are they going to cry and, and not know what to do, or ask, have you ever been in a fight? And so many times we would ask people, have you ever been punched? And they'd be like, no. We're like, why do you want to be a cop? That just seems fun. You know, you fight. And you might be all by yourself. Can you handle that? And one of these, one of these times with one of these young men, he got, he got in a fight and he was by himself and, um, and he got put in a headlock. A headlock. And I'm sitting there getting told this during training. I'm like, please, God, have somebody put me in a headlock. Like there's so many options to a police officer when somebody puts you in a headlock. There's so many things you get to do. A lot of things, right? Like everything's on the board now for that officer to stay alive. Everything. It's like you got to, I can't get too far into it, but you guys get what I'm saying. And so we were, we were dealing with this officer and, and trying to come up with training and so forth and helping him. But, but the scary thing was, was he got put into a headlock and he just stayed there and he freaked out. It's what we call, he went code black. When you go code black, you don't know anything to do. You can't do anything. You just freeze. And so he, this young officer, he goes code black because he had never been in a fight. And so he goes code black. One of our awesome officers, I'll leave his names out of it, but he's a phenomenal officer. He shows up on scene with the attitude like most of us have, like <laughs> Yahtzee. And, uh, and so, and I even asked him, like, yo, dude, did you seriously just run into him and be like, Yahtzee? And because uh, I always thought that'd be a great thing to say. And the suspect's like, why'd you yell Yahtzee? Yahtzee's when you get all the sixes in one roll, right? Your game, Yahtzee. It's like a free roll. Like, you just get to demolish somebody. Yeah, man, right? And so some of you are like, wow, Pastor Bill, you're losing it tonight. I lost a long time ago. There's a, there's a moral to this story. I don't tell stories, just tell stories. Um, and so this young officer, um, he, gets, he gets saved, and, and we start training with him, and we, we torture him. And, um, and it's not, we're not torturing him to be mean. We're torturing him so he can stay alive and go to his wife and new baby that's born, right? And so we're wrestling with him and slapping him in the face and holding our hands over his nose and mouth so he can't breathe, and not to kill him, but just to make him uncomfortable, right? And so we're, we're doing all these things to him, and he's like, you know, he's tapping out so that we don't really hurt somebody. He taps out, and we're like, we didn't do anything to you. I don't like you. You're on top of me. Dude, you might want to quit. You, you might want to quit and go be a fireman. Go sit in a lazy boy recliner and have, cook food. Save cats. And um, 
if you're a fireman, I love you because, you know, look, firemen need heroes too. And, uh, and so, um, that's why God made cops. And so, um, so I, I share that story to say, we don't have to experience what that young officer felt. The fight was already won on our behalf. It was already done. Why as Christians are we sitting there fighting a fight that was already completed and done and finished? What are we doing? It's like running on a treadmill. Where are you going? The dumbest thing I've ever seen. I'm going to go for a run on a treadmill. I can't know. Like, if I'm going to go for a run, it's from point A to point B as fast as you can possibly get there. I don't want to spend three hours running five miles or three hours running ten. Whatever. I just want point A to point B. If there's no destination to go, I'm not going. So why run on a treadmill? It's pointless. Kind of like, why are you fighting a battle that God already won for you? It's pointless. It's exhausting. I think it's one trick the enemy uses with us to get us weary to get us tired, and to get us in doubt. See, when we become tired and we become weary, you know, the very first thing that we start doubting is really where we called to do this. That's one of the main things that happens in, in anything physical. Like, one of the greatest things that I think happens to, to people is, hey, I'm called to do this. Awesome, man, let's go for a run. You're called to ministry? Well, I'm, let's go for a run and see if you're really called to ministry but you don't get to quit. How long is it gonna take before you go running with me? And I don't wanna run, so don't call me on this. Uh, but how long are you gonna go running when all of a sudden you're like, ah, I'm not too sure. Is it gonna be day one, day two, day 20? When are you gonna get tired when all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm not sure, I don't know. I mean, my family's called, but I'm not sure if I'm called anymore. This is exhausting. Man, watching what my parents go through, man, this is exhausting. I don't know. Man, they're tired, and they're not. I'm not putting that on them. <laughs> Miss Amy's tired. <laughs> I, I want to say what. When I go on vacation, my wife packs for me. It's awesome. Or my daughter. She, my wife's gone right now, and so I'm packing for myself, and it's horrible. I'm tired because I've had to pack for myself, so I understand if you're tired. Um, but, but I share that because I... I know that I know that there's a lot of us here tonight that are tired. And, and maybe not physically tired of like, oh man, I just worked out, I haven't eaten, I haven't had coffee, I haven't had a Diet Coke, I haven't had whatever that is for you. But it seems to be that there's a lot of us here tonight that are just kind of weary of like, man, I'm just, I don't know anymore. I don't know if it's worth it. Seems like it should have already been done. Seems like I should have already entered that race into actually what I'm called to do. Like, I'm just, I don't know, man. I could, have do, I could do something else. I don't know. Just tired of fighting. Just old. And, and I, got, I got to be honest with you, as, as, as the Lord put this on me this afternoon, um, you know, it was super funny because I didn't think I was preaching tonight. 
So I was praying for Pastor Mark. <laughs> and so I was praying for Pastor Mark while I was in the shower. Pastor Mickey and I talked about this. He's like, you up tonight? I said, no, I was praying for Pastor, Mickey, for Pastor Mark, man. I got some stuff. I believe he's gonna preach on tonight, but, and then he walked in. He's like, hey, batter up. Check your phone. I'm like, I did. And I was like, it's not me. And, uh, and all of you were with me in spirit going, it's not him. And, uh, and so, so I'm in the shower and the, and the Lord put somebody on my heart. And I'm like, oh man, yeah, I'm going to pray for him tonight. I don't know when, but I'm going to pray for him tonight. Even if it's after service, man, I'm going to pray for that, that, that dude. And I start praying it out. And I get to, I get to, the, to the word, I exhort him, exhort him. And all of a sudden it's like an explosion goes off inside of me. And it's like, y'all need to have some exhortation in your life. Don't give up. Don't give up. One of the greatest, greatest men that I've ever, ever read about, and I'm not saying he was like saved or anything like that, but he was an amazing basketball coach for North Carolina State in like the, the late 80s, early 90s. And he died of cancer because, um, you know, he died of cancer. But he had a, he had a thing that was said about him. Um, he said, don't ever give up. And he, and he gave this huge speech at a sports illustrator, sports center, some type of award show. And he's like, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. And I watched these interviews of his, his ex-players talking about Coach V. And he says, man, he was battling cancer, knowing the time was drawing to a near. And I remember walking into his office and he turned down everything. He shut off his computer screen, shut down his notepad, turned off the, the VCR, it was old, VCR. And he turned, he said, what do you need, son? And that has always left a, a huge, like, I mean, a huge mark on my life. This, this young man was tired. He was unmarried. He got his college girlfriend pregnant, and he didn't know how life was going to happen. Coach V wasn't a Christian, but he sat there, turned everything down, and said, son, what do you need? And he broke the news to him, crying, bawling, and he says, we're going to get through this because this is what family does. When that young man came to him tired, weary, beaten, not knowing what was going to happen, if he was going to lose his scholarship, get kicked out of school, go back to Brooklyn and live on the streets, he didn't know what was going to happen. It took a mighty man that was a leader with a heart for the young, like when Pastor Jonathan was up here talking about we should be as a body praying for them beyond just tonight. And he said, son, we're going to get through this as a family. When the, when the player was weak, weary, tired, ready to give up, not knowing what to do, there was somebody there beside him that says, no, you can do this and we can do it together. You're not alone. God has never left you or forsaken you. He never will leave you or forsake you. What he's called you to, you can finish if you keep your eyes on things above and not on things below. Get, look, there may be problems arising. There may be things that come up and waves that hit you in the face and get you wet when you don't want to. But you've got to keep your eyes on things above. You've got to keep your eyes on, no, this is worth it. What he called me to is worth it. What he called me to is way beyond me. There are people that are going to die and go to hell if it's not for me. And that doesn't mean I'm great or you're great, but we are needed to walk this earth and preach the gospel for him. It's how he created the whole system. 
He gave you authority in Jesus' name. He told us to speak and mountains would move. He didn't sit there and say, oh my gosh, my, you know, I wish I could remember that player's name. I, I, I'm going to have a, a baby and it's, it's over. I'm going to go back to, to Brooklyn and I don't know what I'm going to do, work at a gas station, I guess. I don't know how I'm going to support my kid. I just gave up my whole dream. I'm here tonight to tell you just the way that God told me. Ah, man, I tell you what, if it wasn't for God, I don't know where I'd be. Amen. Oh, well, you'd still be a cop. No, I think I'd be dead. I don't even think I know. There was a grace upon my life during that section. And then when he said, it's time to go, there was a timeline that started and there was a timeline that was gonna finish. And I know if I wouldn't have left, I would have died. He showed me in a dream and he showed somebody else the exact dream. The number of stairs to the house where I got shot in the dream, she told me. It was three steps, turned right, you walked in, you got shot. I said, what do you look like? And she described him to a T. Different race, but to a T. Wow, what? Races can look the same? A hundred percent. For many are called and few are chosen. You want to know why I think the few are chosen? Because some get weak and weary and tired and they just give up. And then, and then they either give up or they don't have people around them that say, be steadfast, stop being a, stop being a sissy. Look, sorry, that's how, that's, sorry, stop being a sissy. Come on, he's called you to do something. When are you going to step up and do it? Come on, man, you've got all the world behind you. You've got all of heaven above you and before you. When are you going to step up? When? Oh, I'm tired, man, I'm tired. You, have, you'll, you can sleep when we're dead. You know, like, seriously. When we get a whole brand new body and then we're going to get up there and be like, wait, I wanted to take a nap and we're not tired? I'm like, what a cruel joke, God, come on. <laughs> Let us sleep for like at least 100 years. I don't think we're going to want to sleep. I'm going to, man, I tell you what. I can't wait to just sit at, sit at his feet and be like, hey, how did you knock Saul off the donkey? Like, what made you do that? I thought it was funny. I don't know. Like, I don't know his response, but like, I, I'm like intrigued by some of the things I get to ask him. And then he's going to be like, I've been asked that about a thousand years before you asked it. I'm be like, no way, who? Let me talk to this person. Somebody thinks like me? That's in no way. I want to tell you, you have everything within us right now at this very moment to walk out what God called you to. And it, it doesn't, I'm not talking five-fold ministry or helps ministry. I'm talking what God has called you to. You have everything inside of you right now at this very moment, if you're saved, to walk that out. Everything. He's, the word says he, give, he, he gives us full knowledge. Full knowledge. Let, let's check this scripture out. This, this is one of the verses that came to me while I was washing my head. <laughs> Not all of us can be Pastor Doug and, and Pastor Wade, Pastor Mickey and Pastor Mark. Some of us are naturally blessed with yarmulkes if we don't shave. And so uh, I was shaving my head and washing it off when this scripture came to me. I'm like, ooh, man, Pastor Mark's going to preach this real good tonight. And, and, trick, 
Laugh on me. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Look, you don't even need to read anything else. If we believe God's word, that's it. I don't even need to read the rest of that verse. Fear not, he's with you. There were certain people that, that we worked, that I worked with at Boise Police Department, amazing police department, awesome police officers. Um, there were certain police officers that if we had calls and we were going through doors, um, like, you know, I mean, I thought they were fun, but like people with guns on the other side and stuff like that. Um, there were people that I wanted to be with and it made it way more fun and way more safe. And then there was people like, hey, can you go stand out on the one three corner? And that, that's basically go take up a perimeter somewhere and don't kill anyone. Like, don't even pull your gun out. Just go stand out there and just say, hey, somebody's coming to the front door. Perfect, thank you. But don't come in where we have to go to work because I actually don't trust that you won't shoot me um, or yourself. Um, officers have done that before. They're like teaching safety stuff and they shoot themselves in the foot. Back home, there was a guy, and I don't know why I'm telling you this. This is just a story because it's funny. His name was Rocky. I'm not gonna say his last name, but his name was Rocky. And he was telling everybody how you put your gun back into a holster in a safe way. And Rocky turned into having a nickname for the rest of his career, even up to now, even though he's retired, Glocky. <laughs> because Glocky went in and forgot to, forgot to take his finger out of the trigger guard when he put it in the holster, and it went boom, and went right down his side of his leg and, and impaled his foot. Super funny. And um, I mean, he lived, and what a great nickname. Glocky Smith, when his name's Rocky, that's awesome. And uh, you can laugh at the funnest, funnest things. But what I'm, what I'm saying is there's people that I would go, to, go into houses with that I was like, oh, thank God DC's here. Thank God Joe's here. Thank God, you know, Rush is here. And, and, and all these other names that I can, I can sit back. I'm like, they're who I'll go to war with. I was never in fear when I was going through those doors. I remember one time this buddy of mine, Tuber, and I were going. He's like, yeah, the suspect's probably gone. He was an old veteran officer. Young, well, he was, he'd been a cop forever. And he goes, by the time we get there, they're probably not going to be there. And I'm like, no, dude, this dude's going to be there. And, um, and so, uh, sorry, I'm recalling what the call was. I'm not going to share that. And uh, it was a funny call. And so we opened the door because they were, somebody was house-sitting for them. And so... Um, we had it all planned out. We were standing on the sides of the door so we don't get shot through the middle of the door because that'd be stupid. And um, so we opened the door and we had it all planned out. I had downstairs and he had, he had long cover. And so I go to down, the door opens, but I see movement at the top of the stairwell and I address the, the suspect. He was still there doing stupid stuff. And uh, so we get it taken care of. I was never in fear of getting shot because I knew Tuber had my... Had my my back. Think about that scripture, guys. Fear not, for I'm with you. God is telling you he's with you. He's right there with a gun, so to speak, right? We're actually there with something way better than a gun he showed me in a dream a long time ago. I went to reach for my gun in this dream of a lion attacking me and I reached for my gun and it wasn't there and I reached for my gun and it wasn't there and I was just slapping my hip and, and I, in this dream I look down and I'm like, my gun. And I wake up as the lion's in the air and I, I get out of bed, I run out to the living room, I ran out the living room and I started praying in tongues, asking the Lord, what, what was that? What was that about? What's that about? He goes, you now have my name. Use it. 
I was coming out of law enforcement. What a very poignant, poignant thing for us Christians to learn. I was reaching for a, a, man, a man-made item that could shoot something and I couldn't find it. And he says, you now have my name, use it. Fear not. Do we believe? I want you to believe because he's real. I want you to know that if he's called you to do something, fear not. You may get tired, but have people around you that say, stop being a sissy. Or hey, let's go pray. Or hey, you know what, man, go take a, go take a break. Not from God, but go rest. Jesus rested in the front, of the front of the boat. He laid his head down and he was resting when the disciples were fearing because of a storm. You will have storms. You will have things that test you. You're guaranteed. But we need to stand there and say, I have his name and I fear not. I have his name and I fear not. I'm gonna stand my ground. I've had people that have been demon-possessed sitting there telling me the things they were gonna do to me and, and I don't know why, but I'll always laugh. It's always kind of funny. Um, it's never struck fear, but it, it's always funny, man. It's like, you're the king of lies. You think I'm thinking you're serious? You can't hurt me. And I remember the first time I said that in 2015, um, I said, you can't hurt me. I'm a son of God. And I was like, well, I just said that. Like, oh my gosh. And it was bold. It was the Holy Spirit. Because I was like, oh my gosh, is that okay to say? Like, it came out with such boldness. Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Oh, I'm feeling down in the dumps. God is telling you, I'll hold you up. In his, oh, come on. Is there a better hand to be held up in? No, there's not. God is telling us, he is telling us, he is telling you, he is telling you, do not worry, I am with you. I will help you. I will help you. Go to Jeremiah Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah. That's what happens when you start thinking of the verse and, and all that stuff too fast. What is it? Jeraniner. Jeraniner. Hey, if you can't make fun of yourself, let other people do it for you. <laughs> so, for I know, for I know the thoughts. Uh, that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. I mean, that verse right there alone, just like, what are we worried about? No evil. Have no evil come against you. Then this is the best part. He tells us that he's there to help us. In verse 12, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. You need help? Go call upon him instead of complain. Go call upon him and in prayer instead of going, I don't know what to do. Uh, gosh, it's so hard. I got this, all this stuff going. I don't know what to do. I've heard a wise man once said to me uh, as we were, we were getting some, a conversation was being had. And he says, yeah, anytime somebody's confused, it just means they're not praying. And I'm like, ooh. 
Thank God it wasn't about me. But you want to know how that hit me? That it was about me. Because I could recall times in my life, even up to now, where it's like I, I get tripped up and kind of like losing my balance before I completely fall. And I'm like in the like, I don't know what to do. Pastor Wade, dude, I don't know what to do. Help me, man. I don't know what to do, Pastor Mark. I don't know what's going on. He's like, have you prayed? I'm like, ah, oh. <laughs> I'm tired. He's like, stop being a sissy. He's never said that, but I wouldn't care if he said that to me because I'm okay with being talked to like that. Call upon his name and he will listen to you and he will answer you. He will answer you. He wants to help you right where you're at, but you're not calling upon him. You're not asking him. You're like, oh, God, I need help. With what? I need to know what to do. Oh, now we're talking. You know, like, oh, this, I don't know why I just thought of this. This is a perfect example. How many parents do we have in here? Oh, Lord Jesus. How many times, because I just saw this maybe a couple weeks ago somewhere. We were somewhere. And I wanted to go give a tap on the dad's back and say, hey, man, good job. Dude was carrying, I almost used Kate because she's small enough. Um, dude was carrying out, uh, imagine that the Bible was his kid. It was awesome. He just, he, he booked, he carried her like a book. And just walked her straight out of the store. And she's kicking her legs and moving her arms like she's swimming. She was throwing a fit, right? He wasn't having it. He just carried her out. He wasn't complaining. He wasn't mad at his daughter. He just knew what to do. See, God is like that. If we will stop throwing a fit like the little girl in dad's arms, getting carried out like a book, if we will stop throwing a fit and we just say, Lord, I'm gonna spend time with you and I ain't leaving until I get the answer. You're stuck with me. Because God, I love you and I wanna walk this call out. I wanna know how to do it. I wanna be the best dad in the world. I want to be the best dad that anybody has ever seen. I want to be such a great dad. This is for somebody. I want to be such a great dad that it will influence others to be a better dad when they, say, when they see me be a dad. And for that person, you can be the greatest dad, even though you didn't see it with you growing up. How you become the greatest dad is you call upon the Lord and say, Father, the greatest father that has ever existed. Father, show me how to love my children the way you love me and love your children. Let me love them like you love them. Father, show me how to be the best husband to my wife in the world. What does she like for breakfast? I, I wanna cook my, my, my wife breakfast. I wanna do the laundry for her so she doesn't have to do the laundry. I wanna pack, I wanna pack my vacation stuff so she doesn't have to. God, I want to love my wife the way you love my wife. Men, we, we can be way better. Stop being lazy. Sorry, is that okay to say to us men? I mean, this isn't man camp or anything, but we're supposed to be strengthening the body. Be better husbands. Be better dads. We have the best dad that lives inside of us, God. He's in me, and I'm in him, and if he's in me and I'm in him, then we can, what? We can be the best dad in the world. And wives, same thing for everything I just said. 
Be the best helper to your husband that, that all the, like this is my, you know, my daughter's 20, 23. <laughs> I'm being a better dad right in front of you. And then my other daughter's um, 21. And um, sorry, I was like right on the cusp. And uh, I want women in this church to be so amazing to their husbands that they sit back and they're like, I want to be like that. I want to be like Miss Amy. I want to be like Miss Jen. I want to be like Miss Jillian. So all you ladies, what are you showing? See, it's not just your kids. Like over here, you got how many daughters? You have three? God bless you. No, you, you got three daughters. They shouldn't just be watching you. What if they're watching you? What are they learning? What are they learning if my daughter's watching you? What are they learning if Wendelin's watching you? Now, what if the culture outside of these doors are watching us be Christians? What are they thinking Christians are? Are we representing Christ right or are we tired? Are we tired? I don't want us to be tired anymore. Let's go to Philippians chapter four. Like this is one of the greatest things you could ever use in your life if you're feeling weary and tired and, and beaten down. When we're in those times of weariness and we're in those times of like, hey, kind of unsure, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. We need to stir ourselves up in this. We need to pull out the word, in case you don't know it by heart, pull out the word and walk back and forth and, and say, no, nah, golly, whatever things are true, God, whatever things are noble and whatever things are just, these things that are pure are good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. That, just so you know, you can read that and go, oh, that means I shouldn't meditate on the bad. I think we just had a really cool pastor share this, like I think Sunday. It was the first service that you, were, you exhorted that. And he's been preaching this message like, stop talking negative talk. Stop. Stop talking negative talk. You get it one time and then you get the solution. And you pray for the solution. It doesn't say that we get to complain and complain about the bad things and complain about the things that are wrong and complain about, no, well, we don't have this and we don't have, stop. That's not how mountains get moved. That's how dams get built. You want to stop the blessing of the Lord? Go ahead and complain and just build that dam up. Just go ahead. Build it up. And then you'll come to services every Wednesday and every Sunday. You'll go on Facebook and you'll be asking for prayer chains that are stupid because I don't see prayer chains in here. Imagine if we just, if we actually just did the, the what the word says. Now all of a sudden dams are being undone. The blessing of the Lord is flowing in. If you look at people's lives that are blessed, there's a reason they speak the word of the, of the Lord to themselves. They do. You just walk around. This is what we walk in. I walk around my house. The reason I share this with you is so that you do it. Not so that you think I'm awesome. No, you do this. I'll walk around my house and I'll be like, thank God it's paid off. Glory to God, it's paid off. Thank you, Jesus, it's paid off. And it ain't paid off, but it is paid off. 
And I'm just keep on saying it, and I'm going to keep on saying it, and then I'm going to keep on praising him for it, and I'm going to keep on praising him for it. I start up my truck, or I put a hundred bucks of gas in it, and I'm like, glory to God, this thing's paid off. Thank you, Jesus, it's paid off. I got blessed with it from, partially from my brother, and the rest is going to get blessed too. It's paid off. I'm moving mountains, not for myself, but I tell you what, man, come on, a house paid off, wouldn't that make, like, come on. There's reasons I want the house paid off. There's reasons. I want to pay other people's houses off. It's just something Jen and I, like, we were in prayer and we're like, I want to pay somebody's house off. She's like, I do too. And I'm like, well, we don't have money. How are we going to do this? Oh, well, we'll just wait until we have a couple hundred thousand and pay somebody's off. No. You know what we started doing? We started, <laughs> we started blessing people that moved into new homes. We started blessing people for their, their homes. Why? Because I'm going to sow seed. I'm going to sow seed. This, thing, this seems to be going everywhere, but it's not. It's all, it's all here. What do you believe in God for? Speak it. Speak it. And, and speak life, not death. Oh, the house isn't paid off. House isn't paid off. Maybe we shouldn't have bought it. No. This house paid off. Glory to God. Thank God for whatever is true. And I love this part. Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. That's, that's crazy because I just shared that before. I'm sharing this with you so that you do them. You start speaking life into your family. You start speaking life into your finances. Why? So that we can actually do more ministry for other people. I mean, how cool would that be if like, I always imagine this, right? Like, because far greater anything I can imagine, far greater he can do. So I sit back like this, like I wish and I can't wait for the day that I wish I could be like inside of the room when somebody opens up their mailbox and they go into their house, like this would be the funnest thing. And they go in their house and they, they, they sit it on the island, they open up the envelope and it's from the bank with their house note and it says it's been paid off. Like, dude, that's the coolest thing in the world. And they don't know how done it. And I also can't wait to go into their bank and be like, hey, here's a check for so-and-so's house note right here. Because then they're gonna be like, you can't do that. You can't pay on somebody. Yeah, we can and we're doing it. Can you imagine that? Come on. You wanna know what would freak the world out? That the Christian church started coming together and blessing one another. When everyone's in poverty out there and a recession's affecting them and, and things, debts are paid off and blessings are happening, you wanna know what moves the, the barometer of the culture? Money. It doesn't move us. We bless people with it. It makes them sit back and go, something's happening. We gotta go check it out. It's what happened in the book of Acts. They were like, wait a minute, they have no needs, no wants. Well, how come they don't have no needs, wants, and we're starving? They went and checked out what was wrong, and 3,000 people got, men got saved, not counting the, men, the women and children. Come on. You want a culture and invite, do that. Praise God. Hallelujah. 